Hey lovely freaks and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Amanda and if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our link tree and that'll give you access to all of our social media. Um, our intro is a little different today. Hannah's not with us today. She is doing something for her college. She's a part of like a choir group um, for her college because she's a music major for those of you that didn't know. And so she has a whole weekend full of programs and things like that that they're doing. So that is what she is doing and she's super busy. So I told her, I said, I'll do this episode by myself. I've done them before, so it's no big deal. <clears throat> Last week, and I think the week before, um, yeah, so two weeks now, we have not had an episode. My daughter had the flu. I had a sinus infection. I'm still kind of a little coffee, like I'll probably cough. Um, <clears throat> not coffee like the drink. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably cough a little bit, so if I do, sorry about that. And then I'm a little stuffy, but not too bad. It's just been a whole... Thanksgiving week was full of sickness and flu and sinus infections and all that good stuff. So, anywho, but hopefully we'll get back on track. We're going to try to cover the Casey Anthony case. Um, it's been done so many times. And for those of you that know, you know that I hate that person. Um, so, it's really hard to, like, cover it because it really, um... That's what I'm looking for. Pisses me off. I guess I'll just say that. So, <laughs> anywho. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the documentary because, yes, the documentary's out. Which, I have not watched it. Um, but I know some things about it because I've seen people talking about it. And I might watch it. It's just going to be really hard for me to watch because I followed that case from the very beginning <clears throat> when it started. So, I was for sure certain that she was going to get tried with her daughter's murder and when she didn't I was really upset about it but anyways that's not what we're talking about today today we're gonna get into the case that we're talking about today and it's gonna be about Jerry Michael Williams and his death so we're just gonna jump right in um we're, we're gonna call him Mike uh, because that's basically what everybody called him but his full name was Jerry Michael Williams so, Mike was described to his family as a nice guy, someone who would give you the shirt off their back if they needed it. Mike and his wife, Denise, met in high school, and they dated even, like, throughout college and everything. After college, they got married, and they bought a home in Tallahassee, Florida. They also lived pretty close to Mike's best friend, um, Brian, and Brian was married to Kathy. So, all these friends kind of started in high school and Brian and Kathy met in high school and Mike and Denise met in high school and they all stayed friends throughout college and everything. It was just a, um, two couple friend group. Like they would do everything together. They would go on vacations together. They even had their kids kind of at the same time. So their kids could like grow up together and play together. They hung out every weekend. They lived fairly close to each other, not within walking distance, but within like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes down the road from each other. So you get the sense that these couples were like best friends. In December of 2000, things would take an unexpected turn though. Mike Williams went missing. His wife Denise said that he went on a duck hunting trip that morning and never returned. It was getting late during the day and she was getting worried. So she thought he maybe gotten hurt or something bad had happened or maybe he just 
was, you know, on the side of the road in the ditch somewhere. So Denise started calling friends, family. Um, she even called Brian to see if he had heard from Mike because, you know, they're best friends. His dad decided, uh, Brian and his dad decided, or his, not his dad, Brian and his father-in-law decided to go hunting that morning. So, um, they ended up not going. And so when she called Brian, Brian was like, well, me and my dad will just go look for him. So Brian and his dad went and looked for Mike <clears throat> where they knew that he would be hunting at. Cause typically that's where he would hunt. No one had seen him though. And none of the friends or family, um, you know, had seen him in all that day. They had, I think some people had seen him the day before, but nobody had seen him that day. Nobody in town, you know, everywhere she called, couldn't figure out where he was. They also couldn't find him when they got to Lake Seminole. So Lake Seminole is where they were. This is in Florida. <clears throat> All they found though was Mike's truck and his boat trailer. So when you pull up to where the boat launches, they saw his, his truck. I believe one of the doors was open, which is really odd. And then they also saw his boat trailer was like attached to it. They didn't see his boat. So obviously that meant that his boat was in the water. They reported this to the police, though, instead of, like, trying to find them themselves, which was a good idea. <clears throat> but they reported it to the police and the Florida Wildlife Commission, um, Game Commission. And so, immediately, they, the Florida Wildlife went out there with boats, and they were looking for Mike's boat in, at the lake. <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how big this lake is, but I think it's pretty big. Um, I should have looked that up, but I didn't. But I think it's a pretty big lake. So they spent, I think, like half a day or something like that searching for his boat. And they finally found it, though. Um, when they found it, obviously Mike was not in it. Instead, um, the boat, uh, when, when the police found it, the boat was found with two life jackets, a shotgun that had not been pulled out of the case, and a bag of duck decoys because he was going duck hunting. <clears throat> Sorry. They have, um, unfortunately, you know, they had to call off the search for finding him. And so they just found a boat. So that meant he was definitely a missing person at that point. Also, instead of them looking for the body, then it was actually it's like a winter storm coming in, which is really unusual for Florida and like record low temperatures. Like I think it was 20 to 19 degrees. And so they had to call off the search for that night and they had to do it the next morning. So the next morning, the police and the rescuers decide um, it's time to start searching for a body or, you know, if they can't find anything, maybe he just vanished. This isn't somebody that would typically like leave his kids and his wife. So they weren't really thinking that. Um, the one thing that they were thinking was that they were going to find him drowned. This was like a... Like Seminole's pretty much known for like accidents. I think something like 70 something people had already drowned prior to like this, that year in this lake, which is a lot for one lake. And so they were expecting to find like uh, him as, as a, a drowning victim. So 10 days into the search, they find a fisherman's hat, one that Mike usually wears. And it was, um, like the brand that he wears 
even Brian, his friend, was asked to identify it. And he said, yes, I think it could be his. I'm not exactly sure. So they sent it off to get tested to see if there was any of Mike's DNA on it. Also, you have to understand this lake is dark and... Sorry, that was my computer. You have to understand that this lake is really dark and searchers don't normally do like the dive searches that they do. So what they usually do <clears throat> at this lake is they have huge poles and they'll go through the lake and mark off their spots that they've been to going back and forth, up and down and sticking the poles in the water to see if they uh, can feel like a body or anything like that. Because a body's going to feel different than like a log or a tree. So, which they never do. The only thing they ever find from doing this is the hat. And they also expect if his, if there's a body, it would start to float. Because even if, like, when you first initially drown, you might sink. But after a while, your body floats up to the top. They continue to search, though, from, um, until, um, December 16th. All the way until February. So, for three months, they searched this lake. The test came back on the D on the hat, and none of Mike's DNA was found on the hat. At this point, police believe that he could have been eaten by alligators. There are hundreds of alligators in this lake and in this area. <clears throat> when they were searching, they actually saw, like, quite a lot. And it would also make sense as to why they couldn't find a body. Um, and everyone else, you know... They just thought, okay, well, the alligators probably ate him. Um, but Mike's mother, Cheryl, keep that name in mind because we're going to talk about her a lot. She's like a trooper in this because she does exactly what I would probably do if my son went missing and nobody was interested in trying to figure out the real truth. So Cheryl, she did not believe this explanation and she didn't understand that if... Okay, let's say he did get eaten by an alligator. How come none of the other 70-something victims that had drowned in this lake had been eaten by an alligator? That didn't make any sense. Not to mention, Mike had told her something that stuck with her, kind of. Um, he told her that alligators don't usually attack in the cold. And the temperatures that night and that day were in the 20s, 19... You know, I think the high was maybe like... 30 so that's pretty cold and he had told her you know alligators do not eat in the cold weather <clears throat> but a lot of people just brushed her off and just thought that she was crazy or just couldn't accept that he was gone some other odd things started happening um, after the search was officially called off in February Denise Mike's wife insisted that they have a memorial service for him even though they didn't have a body and he was still he wasn't really considered a missing person but his mother was still like he's missing you know he's he's got to be missing he's out there somewhere which isn't completely insane because she believed the police Denise believed the police and she also said that she needed closure and this would help her with that Cheryl decided to call an alligator expert after this to see if her theory about the cold water was true. The expert made the expert made his report and like on the matter and it basically said Mike eaten Mike getting eaten by an alligator at that time of year um, with no remains being found at all or no clothes or nothing like that was pretty much impossible. 
Cheryl kept the report and started digging into things herself. <clears throat> so Mama was like keeping pages and keeping documents and she was writing things down. Every time she would talk to somebody, she would write things down. She kept a journal, the notes of her notes on the whole case. She just knew that Mike had to be either murdered or something just wasn't adding up. However, in June of that same year, Mike had been missing, um, like the same year that he had been missing, Mike's pair of waders and some uh, float, what was it? I think it was a hunting jacket. Yeah, it was a hunting jacket and his waders floated up in the same area that they had found that hat previously. Divers came to look around the area and when they did under the water, they found flashlight um, and a hunting jacket that had his hunting license in the pocket. So for the people that believe that he had been eaten by an alligator and, you know, drowned, this was like, okay, he's definitely in the water. I mean, you know, he, he definitely was in the water. He definitely got eaten. Um, you know, it sucks, but our theory is correct. You can't like fake having a jacket and waders down there, you know. However, Cheryl was confused because the, uh, the waders and the jacket had not been ripped or anything. It looked like somebody had t taken it off and put it in the water or either somebody had taken it off in the water. She just didn't understand how it was in such good condition. If he had been ravaged by an alligator, cause it's not like they just, you know, aren't going to eat you whole, then there would be bite marks and things like that. And there weren't any. <clears throat> this had happened. This had been six months and those things also in the water, like the flashlight and everything should have been in bad shape, but the flashlight even still worked. So that's weird because it's been six months in the water. I mean, if not, that's a badass flashlight. Well, a week, a week later, <clears throat> excuse me, after these items were found, Denise took them to court and she was trying to declare Mike dead. See, in Florida, if somebody goes missing with no body, you usually have to wait about six years to officially declare them dead for insurance purposes. It's for the insurance company, like the life insurance company to pay you out or to get the payout. That is unless you have something showing that the person in fact more than likely died, even if there's not like a body that can go with it. So there are hundreds of ways someone can die in Florida, obviously. But if you bring these objects to show like, okay, this is his stuff. It was found in the lake. He's obviously dead. It was an alligator attack. They'll grant it. The policy that she was trying to get for the life insurance wasn't like $100,000, 300000 500 it was one million. Actually, it was a little over a million. I think it was like $1.4 million that his life insurance policy was. So it was really odd because she was like adamant about taking this stuff to court so she could get that money. Cheryl, the mother, was not really thinking at this time that Denise had done anything to her son because their happy marriage seemed like it was just, their marriage seemed to be going fine. He never complained about anything to his mom. They had been together for so long and his mom was like, there's no way that she killed him or, or had somebody kill him or whatever. You know, she didn't know, but she didn't think that Denise had anything to do with it. 
However, it took until 2004 for police to finally look into the disappearance after Cheryl begged them for years. After she brought them all of her findings and all of her investigative research and things just weren't adding up. No shit. Like, duh. It took y'all that long to figure that out. That's like, he went missing in two that. That's four years. It took four years for them to be like, oh, well, you know what? This doesn't look really, this is kind of fishy. The investigators found out also that Mike hardly ever hunted alone. And remember, there were two life jackets in the boat, which was really unusual. And because if he was alone, like, why would he have a second life jacket in there? Usually it would have been Brian, but he actually overslept that morning. And he was supposed to go hunting with his uh, father-in-law. But he had overslept. He had been out with his wife all night that night. And so he didn't go with him. Also, Brian didn't really have a motive to kill Mike. Well, years after Mike went missing, Brian divorced his wife. And this is where the motive comes in. Because he started dating Denise. Actually, it wasn't a long time. It was only five years. So, Brian, the best friend, divorced his wife and started dating Denise, Mike's wife. <laughs> Got it? <laughs> um, so, it was really odd. Also, it needs to be noted that Brian sold them the million dollar life insurance policy for Denise and, and um, Mike because that was his job. He was an insurance salesman. And so he was the one that sold them this policy for a hundred, for, for a million dollars. And everybody thought it was really fishy. Like around town, people were like, okay, that's really weird. Like, why would you get with somebody and then marry? They actually got married, Denise and, and Mike, um, Denise and Brian did. And they just said that they came together because of Mike's disappearance. Like, that's what they said. They said, well, because of Mike's disappearance, we just grew, grew like, grew connected, I guess. And um, one thing led to another. And that's why we're together. So, unfortunately, lack of, like, lack of evidence. They couldn't. The police were, like, leaning into that we're leaning into okay maybe this is Denise and Brian's doing like maybe they did something to Mike but they couldn't bring them in because of lack of evidence Denise even threatened Cheryl because she didn't stop like she was picketing outside with signs and she was all over town saying like don't forget my son Mike um, something needs to be done blah blah, blah. well she even told uh, Cheryl that she would not let her see her granddaughter anymore if she didn't stop talking about you know, this and doing this because I didn't do anything to Mike, blah, blah, blah. She even asked the governor for his, for his or her help. I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but no one could prove that Brian and Denise, like I said, had something to do with Mike's disappearance. And now that they were married, there was no way that one or the other was going to rat on each other, right? That is until 2012. So this is a long time. This is 12 years after his disappearance. Brian and Denise marriage was pretty much in shambles um I think they were even cheating on each other like it was crazy one day when Denise was leaving for work she backed up her car down the driveway and she was like heading to work and all of a sudden Brian popped up in the back of the seat with a shotgun or well it wasn't a shotgun it was just a gun he pointed it at her and he told her if you're not like basically if you're not going to be with me 
I can't be with I can't be without you. Like I just want to die. I did all these things for you. We we were gonna have this life together, so on and so forth. So she goes on to like pretty much calm him down and tell him like you're right. We should be together. We should have never, you know, uh, decided to get a divorce. And we did go through a lot together. So let's just stay together. As soon as he releases her, though, she goes straight to the police and she tells them, I've been kidnapped. He was going to kill me, blah, blah, blah. So Brian gets arrested and his trial is like pretty quick. She even does like an impact victim statement on the stand saying like he traumatized her and I don't know, all the shit. So he gets sentenced to 20 years in prison for attempted murder and kidnapping. Now police are like, okay, we have something. So the police go to Brian and they're like, hey. We'll give you a plea deal and we will grant you full immunity if you'll tell us what happened to Mike. Because you already have 20 years in prison for potentially murdering Denise and kidnapping her. So what do you got to lose? Like, you won't get in trouble if you say, you know, you killed him or she killed him or whatever. We just want to know what happened to Mike. So Brian takes the deal. Brian starts from the beginning telling police that... The affair that him and Denise had um, was going on way before Mike's disappearance. Mike would have work conferences sometimes and Denise would go and she would like go and stay in the hotel. And while Mike was going to these work conferences and she was in the hotel room, Brian would come up there and meet her and they would sneak off together during the day. Or they would just like have sex in the hotel room that her and Mike are in. It's, it was crazy. They're pretty ballsy. Um, Denise said that she was very unhappy in her marriage and she wanted a way out. This affair lasted for a long, long time before they ever got to the, like, murder stage, I guess you could say. But Brian, um, said that Denise had a pride about her and according to him, she didn't believe in divorce. So she didn't really see an other, like, an option. She wanted out of the marriage. She hated being with Mike. So I guess murder was the option. What the fuck? But whatever. After a long while, they finally got around to talking about the idea of murder. Or kind of making up different scenarios where maybe it was like an accidental death. One was that he would work late at night sometimes at the office. And they could make it look like someone had robbed the place and come up there and shoot him. Denise didn't really like this idea though. Because she knew that there would be a thorough investigation like for his job. And that they would figure out, you know, they would figure out what was going on. Another idea that Brian said was that they decided they were going to go out in Mike's boat in, on the ocean with Brian and Kathy, which is Brian's wife at the time, and Mike and Denise. They were all going to go out and Brian was going to push uh, Kathy and Mike into the water and then they were going to like take the boat and and go far out with the boat, and then Denise and Brian were going to swim to a buoy and make it look like it was a huge accident. Denise didn't like this idea either because Mike and Kathy could survive. I mean, they could swim, number one. Would you hush? And number two, um, Brian was like, I didn't really like this idea because I didn't want to kill Kathy. He still loved her. It was the mother of his kids. So he was like, I didn't really want her dead. Eventually came up with a hunting idea. The original thought 
was that Brian will take him out hunting and then push him into the water, kind of leave him there in hopes that he just succumbs by nature to drowning, I guess. Um, because he didn't want to murder him, but also he didn't want him alive. It was really weird. Like, it was really, really weird, this whole scenario. They just wanted him to... They, it's like, I'm just going to push you in the water and then whatever happens, happens, dude. I didn't murder you. You could have made it, but you didn't. So, that's you. That was their thought process. Also, the reason why they needed to do it so quickly was because two reasons. Number one, um, the life insurance policy. There was a $500,000 life insurance policy, which made it a million and Mike was tired of paying it. He was like, I'm not going to pay this anymore. I'm going to let it lapse. So Brian and Cheryl got together and they got, I mean, Brian and Cheryl, Brian and Denise decided to pay the life insurance policy one more month so that way it wouldn't lapse and they could use it. Um, Denise also was not wanting to go on this anniversary trip. So the day before, the day after Mike disappeared, um, Mike had planned this huge getaway for him and Denise. It was so nice and sweet. He told her that he was tired of not having a, a marriage, basically. It was a loveless marriage. There wasn't any sex. There was nothing. And so he was tired of it. So he told her, I'm going to take you away. We're going to go on vacation. She absolutely hated this idea because she was in love with Brian. And she did not want to have sex with him. And she did not want to go. So that was the reason why they decided to do it when they did. So, Denise would be at home so she could make a phone call from home and then Brian's scheduled his hunting trip with his father-in-law so he could have an excuse or like an alibi for that morning. He decided to make Mike, he decided to take Mike out very early in the, the morning of. He gave his wife sleeping pills so that way she wouldn't wake up and he could like sneak back into bed. Brian said that he told Mike he was going to take him on a secret hunting trip to the secret spot for good duck hunting. He told him to bring his waders, and Brian said the thinking behind that was if I push him into the water, his waders are going to fill up, and then he's going to go to the bottom and he's going to drown. So he wanted to make sure that his waders were on. Brian also told him, don't worry about calling me because my battery's like really bad and it's going to die, so I'll just meet you at the gas station. So, which was his way of covering his tracks because if his phone pinged outside of his house, then it would be like, okay, well, where the hell were you at? Why were you there? Which actually was really smart thinking on his part, but whatever. So, they met at the gas station, went to the lake. They pulled into the boat launch. They put the boat in the water. They both got in. They drove out. Brian was driving and Mike was up front. Things were taking a lot longer than anticipated because Brian needed to like get back home because he needed to have this alibi covered. So he stopped at the boat, kind of not where he wanted to, but whatever. He stopped the boat and he walked over to Mike and pushed him into the water. Brian said he was in the water and he was struggling. And then he could see that Mike was starting to take off his waders and his jacket. And he was like, oh shit, this is not going to work. So he's like, it's, you know, saying, Mike, you know, Brian, help me, help me. And Mike is, you know, Brian's like, no, you know, I'm not going to help you. So he takes the, um, 
And then Mike swims over to a stump and holds on to like a tree or something. And he's screaming at Brian, like, come get me. What the hell are you doing? I'm sure like those things are coming out of his mouth. So Brian starts to circle around him with the boat. And Brian said in his own words that he didn't really know what he was going to do. Like he didn't know how he was going to get out of this. At this point, he probably, he, he, Mike never had suspicions that Brian was having the affair with his wife, but he did know, he did know that Denise was probably cheating, but he would actually confide in him and he'd be like, I don't know who she's cheating on me with, but I wish she would stop. I'm pretty sure she is, blah, blah, blah. The whole time it's been with Brian, you know? So there's no telling what's going on through Mike's head. Mike's probably thinking at this point, holy shit, this is the fucker he's che she's cheating on me with. Like, my best friend. Are you kidding me? So he's circling him with the boat. And eventually Brian said the only thing he can think to do is to take the shotgun and shoot him. He takes the shotgun, shoots Mike in the head, and then that's that. And he's, like, crying while he's telling the story. Fuck off, dude. Whatever. Um, so he shoots Mike. Then he drags his body into the boat. And he takes his body back to his truck. He then drives home, crawls into bed after shooting Mike. Mike's body is in the back of his truck. He crawls into bed and makes it seem like he just woke up. And he tells his wife, oh, I overslept. I guess I'm not going to go hunting with your father. But I'm going to go take the dogs training. The dogs are going to go with me and we're going to go training. I don't know what that meant. I, I guess they did that. So then he calls his father-in-law and he's, he apologizes for, it might have been duck hunting training or something. So he calls his father-in-law and he apologizes for oversleeping. He's like, oh man, I'm so sorry I overslept. You know, um, me and Cheryl had like a long night out and we'll just go hunting another time. But I'm going to take the dogs and we're going to go like, I'm going to go train the dogs. On the way to where he's taking Mike's body, he actually stops by Walmart and picks up some shady shit. He picks up a tarp, a shovel, and weights. Which, if anybody, anybody would have investigated this as something other than an accidental drowning, would have realized there was, like, things to uncover, you know? Um, I think even somebody bumped into Brian at the Walmart and he had these things in his buggy. And the guy said later on, I didn't even put two and two together when I saw those things. I didn't even think, you know, I thought he was going actually to like look for Mike because I, I, I thought maybe that's what he was going to do. He then drives out to Lake Carr, Lake Carr, I believe. He buries his body right on the shoreline. Brian then takes his truck to a car wash and washes out the blood in the back of his truck. Which, another thing, if they would have tested his truck, they would have found blood. In it. It's just it's crazy. There's so much evidence that they could have found early on if they would have even remotely thought about foul play. Nobody even... And I guess it's because they didn't really have a tumultuous marriage. Like, if they would have fought all the time or there would have been talks of divorce and things like that, nobody knew that, he was ha that she was potentially having an affair except for Brian who she was having the affair with. So, you know, Mike didn't confide in anybody else. Um, so I just think, I just think it's crazy, but anywho, so he, he tells them all this and for years, him and Denise never spoke about what happened. Like, they got married, they had a relationship, blah, blah, blah. 
and they never talked about what happened. She didn't know the real story. She thought that he just actually got eaten, eaten by an alligator. And um, that's not what happened at all. So, another crazy thing is that they went through all this shit to kill Mike, to be together. And then, right from the beginning of their relationship, Brian was saying that she was cheating and he was cheating. Like, they were both cheating on each other. Their marriage was, like, filled with problems. And so, you literally killed your best friend for nothing. Which, I mean, shouldn't. there's no reason to ever kill your best friend. But what I'm saying is, like, that's just karma working its way into your life. And that's great. I love it. So, Denise gets charged with Mike's murder. Brian testified against her in court. And he does get his plea deal of, you know, um, not going to prison for longer than 20 years. And so, she was sentenced to life in prison. Which, I, I mean, I know they had to give him a deal in order for him to talk. But, like, 20 years is not enough. He literally killed him. Um, she did, too. Obviously, they planned it together. But I feel like they should both be in jail for, for life. But, you know, they had to give him a deal so he'd talk and, and give her up. Um, so, after 20 years... Cheryl was able to bury her son, Brian. I mean, her son, Mike. Brian led them to Mike's remains uh, after, you know, everything was said and done. So, because of Cheryl's, I'm a mom and I'm going to figure out what the hell happened to my son. Like, that's why Mike was able to be found. And justice for him was able to be, be, Justice was able to be gotten, I guess. <laughs> that's that's an odd way to say that, gotten. Um, but yeah, so because of mom. So that's a lesson for all the mothers out there. If you, something happens to your kid, don't ever stop fighting. Uh, because you never know. It could be foul play. And that's it's crazy to me. So, anywho. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that little true crime um, episode. It was crazy. Uh, I I did not see it going that way when I was researching you know I ran across it and we haven't really done a lot of like cases like this where it's foul play murder because of an, an affair or something so I was like I want to I think we'll do this one and then when I was reading it and I saw the end I was like holy shit like that is crazy I cannot believe that his best friend since high school like I'm thinking like ninth grade is when they started becoming best friends this wasn't like senior year or nothing and they'd known each other for like 15 plus years so anyways his best friend and his wife killed him so that is the story of mike williams that's the case um hopefully you guys enjoyed today's case if you want to go ahead and give a like and a comment on youtube um also we'll be back next week maybe with casey anthony case i'm not exactly sure um it's gonna it's gonna suck. I don't wanna I don't wanna do it just because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get enraged, but whatever. Um <laughs> so we'll see you guys next time. Bye.